In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. On the night of October 22, 1966, the people of Tallahassee were celebrating the victory of FSU over Mississippi State in the local football game. However, at the Sims family house in Mural Court, tragedy was taking place. When 17-year-old Norma Sims returned home, she found a horrific scene with her mother, father, and sister bound and shot. Investigators have tried for years to find the murderer and reasons for these murders, but to this day, it remains an open case. Will we ever find the culprit behind these gruesome murders? Welcome back to Not Another True Crime Podcast. And that's always the question. Always, will, always will the question. Will we know what happened? Were your partners in wine and crime? I fucked up the intro. That's just been this month. Because I was like, how? When was the lot? Because I feel like I haven't recorded with you in nine years, but also yesterday. And it's yeah. like, I don't know what's happening in January. We're all I forward. know, and we're and you're not drinking, which I'm I feel not. like is probably making like it, I feel like it gives other people clarity, but like for me, I think it would just make me more. Oh, there was I uh, that like that Tinks girl on TikTok. She posted. She was like, "Dry January." I'm like so productive, but 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 makes me happy, and I'm like, I am not feeling any of the productivity. It's but it's also making me realize, oh, I can't blame like being hungover for any of my laziness. It's just who I am as a person. And uh, that's, that's mainly what organic. I've come to terms with. Yeah, I love that. It's all natural. <laughs> but how are you feeling otherwise, like with the dry January stuff? Honestly, good. It's like nice. It feels like it's like I feel like I'm just like internally, like I tell myself my liver's feeling amazed. And I just like, it's not hot. like it's a good moment. I kind of want to like intersperse like dry cleanse months here and there. Just like, for something to do and also because I'm like oh it doesn't like I feel very hydrated which I think is I don't always feel that like the water I like feel it in my body <laughs> that is legit yeah I honestly feel like I don't really drink that much like I just drink if I'm out with friends I know but and it's actually been fun because like going out to dinner and stuff like that I'm like oh I don't need I can like have like iced tea and then like a decaf coffee yes and my bill is $60 cheaper. Oh my God, <laughs> and, and also I'm like, oh yeah, I enjoy talking to these people because they're my friends. So I don't need like, it doesn't help. So it is good. It is nice uh, to realize that like not every dinner needs to pair with a glass of wine, even though it is. I love that. I yeah. love that. But when you're ready, we'll be back. We'll be uh, back I, with some wine and crime, literally. <laughs> I mean, me and you are kicking off Casey's uh, party. So we'll be, oh, for, yeah. for OG listeners, fun. yeah, we're going to be hungover whatever after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god good times speaking of birthdays actually literally because this crime happened on my birthday and i'm like it's always so weird when i see that i'm like oh my god hey and then wait oh that's horrible you're because you do like the internal clap when you're like oh my god that's my day and you're like oh it is not my and you're like day. yeah oh i mean this was like fifth no yeah i don't know a good like 30 years 30 before years. i was born almost that's true. Okay, so you, the dust was the well, the dust was sort of settled, but it has never really settled. Yeah. Well, this this is a really interesting case. So shouts out to I forgot the username. I'm sorry, but somebody DM'd this suggestion to us, not another true crime, on Instagram, and 
Yeah, it's weird because you don't think of Tallahassee as a small town. And I don't think it is. I think there were like 100,000 residents at the time of this murder. But yeah. it to them, it felt like a small town. Like it really, I, I just feel like, I don't know, in New York City, like, What's rocking New York City, you know? Like, I, I don't know. know. So much I stuff is happening. I was going to say that. I feel it's the unfortunate thing of so much happening in, like, New York and places like that where you're, like, it's almost like uh, over- sensory overload of processing mm-hmm. uh, versus this. And also, the, the like, the way in which this murder happened and just yeah. kind of, like, how it was an entire, fa- like, a ma- like, a majority of a family it really rocked uh, a lot of the neighboring towns because it started a whole fear thing where it's like, oh, this could be, could this be me now? You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Because, I mean, this just seemed incredibly senseless. I mean, we're going to obviously talk about it, of course. That's why we're here. But a family is, like, murdered. It's It really is just senseless. And I think also it seemed like someone known to the family was responsible (laughs) Mm-hmm. So we are going to get into it. We're talking about the Sims family murders. So first off, who were the Sims family? Well, the patriarch, Robert, 42. He worked for the Florida Department of Education, and he was a director of data processing. And this was like in the 60s. Yeah, I'm like, what data? Man is was ahead like- of the curve. Yeah, really. He got his PhD from FSU in 1961, and then he and his wife, Helen, moved to Tallahassee from Mississippi in the early 60s. So they were like kind of newish to the area, but not but not like brand spanking new, but they were like relatively newcomers um, and mm-hmm. they knew each other from Meridian, Mississippi. And so his wife, Helen, was 34 and she was a Sunday school teacher and a church secretary. And together they had three daughters, Norma Jeanette, who was 17, Judith Ann, 15, and Joy Lynn, 12. And also I will say that... Um, some of the outlets, the media outlets, referred to the eldest as Norma. Some called her Jean or Jeannie. Um, just some inconsistency that I found crop up. I mean, it's definitely possible that not everybody knew that she was, like, called this nickname. Exactly, yeah. And the family was pretty pretty loved, respected in the community. Like I said, you know, Robert was pretty respected for his job and his role. And then um, Helen was working at the church. And they lived in a brick ranch house on Muriel Court. Joy attended Raw Middle School, and she was a good student there. But something tragic befell them. So on October 22nd, 1966, Robert, Helen, and Joy Sims were found bound, shot, and sapped to death in their home. And Joy, like we mentioned, was just 12 years old. Oh, yeah. And that day, this is relevant. There was a really big football game. It was Mississippi State versus FSU. So most of the people in Tallahassee were at the game. But I guess the Sims parents and Joy stayed behind. And Norma went to the game and Judith was babysitting that night. Yeah, so the two of the older children were out and about. And at home, it was just the parents with their, uh, or I guess two two of their siblings were out and about. And then the parents were home with one of them. And this is unfortunately where the crime happened because when Norma returned home from the football game at around 11 p.m., she walked into a very, very nightmarish, horrible scene. Truly. Uh, yeah. So her mom and dad, Robert and Helen, were in their bedroom 
bound with ties and Robert had been shot in the head. And then her uh, sister was shot and stabbed and they were all blindfolded. So uh, Joy was stabbed in the abdomen six or seven times and ended up dying from those injuries. While Helen and Robert had both been shot in the head and Robert died before he could get the medical attention. Whereas uh, Helen was taken to the hospital. She was still... Uh, um, had a pulse when she stayed in the hospital, but she did ultimately die nine days later. And um, of course, the two other uh, daughters, Norma and Judith, because they were out of the house, uh, just by sheer coincidence of this game happening, because I'm sure Judith was babysitting for a family that went to the, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. by coincidence of this happening, they were out of the home, so they thankfully survived. Mm -hmm. And not shockingly, this was an investigation that, really rocked the neighboring towns, everything, just everybody around. Because you hear it, you're just like, that if we weren't at the game, could it have been us? We're like, the amount of times you're like, you can put yourself in a situation of like, we're home watching TV. Like, what could, what happened with this? And it made people want to also be like, how did this happen? Because it was such a grotesque, insane situation for something and they needed answers. So... Early on, the crime scene was contaminated because just multiple people walking through the scene. Like, the, the Meridian Star said thousands of people walked to the crime scene, which I can't... Re- I mean, it was... That the six- seems... I don't... I'm like, I think I you you guys need to fact check that figure. Like, thousands of people? I don't... Yeah, because it is I the thing. I know, like, what we know now and what we can do now with DNA and stuff like that wasn't in the 60s, but I also don't think an investigative team would be of a thousand people. You know what I mean? It's like, not. It, There's that, no way. That would be some budget. But I mean, so highest number you want to go a thousand, but at least a, a good amount, a, a handful at the lowest level, which I kind of feel like yeah, more de- with. Definitely more people than were like investigating the crime scene, walked through it and kind yes. of contaminated it. Yeah. So several people were walking into the house too and the sheriff's office was not super experienced with handling a crime like this because, like, we said, like, it's sort of, I mean, like, no one's ever totally used to, like, being like, okay, what what happened here? I'm sure they're more so used to just kind of, like, the more clear-cut situations, but now it's Mm -hmm. one where it's like, what are the answers? Neighbors also came over to see what was going on, and, of course, that is where things just, like, that just sends everything completely array because who are now these random people coming into the house? And not only are they coming in, they are picking up souvenirs and taking it with them. Oh so they're taking an ashtray. That gave tray. me like a big, was it the Sauter family mm-hmm. or who the Lawton the... family that had that fire? Like it gave me big, or no, I'm getting the two confused. The Sauter family was the fire. Mm-hmm. Lawson was like the ones where people were taking slices of the fruit cake. Yes, the loss. Yeah. <laughs> it gave me that energy. I'm like, no. stop touching their stuff. Yeah, why are you walking in? It's just like Even so- if it's not a crime scene, like, that's fucking weird to do. And like, what are you going to do with that? Yeah, yeah. So, and like, so ashtrays, leaving cigarettes to people. So people are adding things to the scene. Even the sheriff's uh, investigators made a pot of coffee there, which That's like- kind of funny because that's just like a boneheaded move that I can see there- like reasoning behind it, they're like, "Well, it's going to be a long night. Let's put on a pot of coffee." But it's exactly. like, you idiots. <laughs> they're like, "All right, let's set up shop. Move all these people out of the bed so we can nap here too. Like, let's just really oh my God. fuck up everything that uh, could potentially lead to being solved." So stupid. 
Yeah. But like, I, I understand what went wrong there. And again, like, it's really, I mean, this, I, I guess you can chalk it up to the 60s being the 60s? Maybe? I yeah, who knows? Who knows? But uh, when Norma did get home, she called RJ, uh, also goes by Rocky, RJ Beavis, uh, from the funeral home. And this happened because there was apparently no ambulance at the time. Uh, yeah, I think he was like, he owned a funeral home, so he was a sort of first responder. Like, I don't even, that's what they had said. I watched this this really good documentary, I, 641 Muriel Court. On Vimeo. Yeah. Oh, so good. Uh, you can watch it for free. It's, it was done by a former FSU student for class. Oh, this is interesting. The first 911 call wasn't placed until 1968. Huh. So I wonder when it was like invented. I mean, this is two years. Before oh, yeah. That. Two years before that. So I guess 911 didn't exist. It wasn't a thing. Yet. And I guess you just needed wow. people to get you to the hospital. And unfortunately, I guess uh, hearses are good at transporting bodies. I don't so know. That, <laughs> that would also, I feel like if I was like, needing medical attention and then I was just like I like woke up and I was like I'm in a hearse I'm like what did what 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 what, what uh, uh, yeah, yeah you're like what went wrong really here? really be a mindfuck yeah so uh, Beavis attempted to loosen the bindings on Helen Robert and Joy ultimately compromising the crime scene but again he was doing it to just you know he was everyone. trying to like save their lives but yeah. then it ended up contaminating the scene again I don't really blame the guy he no. owns a funeral yeah. home he's not like a crime scene investigator. Expert, no, not at all. This is, I mean, a perk of 911 being invented. Yeah. And here's the interesting thing, too, because I don't know, when I first was researching this story and learning about it, I assumed it was a break-in gone uh, wrong, or heist gone wrong, because I, I would, like, in my mind, I was like, oh, okay, like, everyone's going to be at this game. Let's go get right. some stuff. And then sort of being like, oh, shit, this family's here. And then things just escalating. Mm. But from what was reported, there was no evidence of a break-in or sexual assault. Uh, jewelry and money was not missing. And apparently there was cash just like out, like lying around. Dangling, yeah. Well, not dangling, but yes, on, on a table. But in, in like a, a, a moment that they did say that Joy's underwear was found around her ankles. So that just sort of... Yeah, so I don't know. This, the claim that there's no evidence... Of sexual assault seems like slightly sus to me. I mean, maybe there was no like physical trauma on the body, but I don't know. The underwear thing is a little bit. It's very, very weird. weird. Yeah. Um, so because of all this and not having sort of like X and Y to Z, the police had a very hard time establishing a motive. What? Like X what is X? Water. What do you mean X and Y to Z? Like, because you go X, Y, Z. So it's sort of like they'd be like, oh, okay. oh break in, steal something, <laughs> a Z, a motive. Got it. Okay. So <laughs> we didn't we have that. We did not have, no, we had A, Z, like, I don't, like, like Q. ZZ Top. Yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, we got, oh yeah. God. We had SWV. <laughs> Great band, but not helpful <laughs> in case. Uh, so because it also didn't seem like this family had any enemies. And like we were saying, like, they've only, they've been there a few years and were really loved by the community. So they didn't, it was not like they was like, a decade long, uh, like like family ties to this place where like people could have you know anything like that. Uh, but they did what they did think was that the killer or plural were known to the family, and they also for around the time they believed that the attack happened around ten forty five, shortly before Norma returned home. So very wow, that's quick. Very yeah, and um, a neighbor also said they heard screams at ten forty five. So I'm sure that also would uh, I mean correlate to that's really crazy then it's like they got in 
I'm like, they bound and stabbed and shot three people in like 15 to 30-ish minutes. That's I, like, wow. Very insane. That is Which crazy. I guess, I don't know if that's more, like adds into like, oh, someone they know, like they let them in the house and then things went awry or. Right. Or maybe there was more than one person mm-hmm. who committed it. That part. So, like we said, this crime just really, like, rocked the community. Their funeral was packed. Halloween was kind of canceled that year, and which, understandably, it's like a week before. And people started locking their doors, which they hadn't really done before. That always blows my mind. I feel like that is, like, a very modern thing. Because, like, even my mom would always say, she's like, lock doors. I was like, yeah. Yeah. She lives in an apartment. I'm like, That's the whole point of the door. Yeah. I don't get it. And um, this gave me, like, kind of, was it Son of Sam vibes? Because, like, stores yes. were selling out of guns. They also sold out of water guns because, like, women were filling them with ammonia for protection. Which, okay, I'm going to store oh, that in the back of my head. That's actually. Yeah. And hardware stores ran out of, like, locks, bolts, knives, things like that. Like, anything people could use to kind of feel like they're protecting themselves. And the surviving sisters moved to Alabama to live with an aunt. They really have understandably dropped off the grid since. Haven't really been heard from or really anything like that. As far as suspects, there's a lot, kind of. So, oh. <laughs> Like, so every time I, like... The documentary, I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, oh, there's someone else. Oh, okay. Okay, yes. They, I know. Do, the documentary news credit was great because they, I didn't really find any of these people in news articles, but they really pretty much turned up a lot of suspects. They and then they were like, people. oh, people thought it was this guy, but here's why it couldn't have been that's, this guy. That's what I was very interested in researching this. I was like, I really had to lean on the documentary, which was fine because it was very well done. But like a lot of the local, I don't know if it was just because Maybe they weren't transferred on the web, to the dot com or something like that because it happened in the sixties. But like there wasn't a ton, ton about this. Besides, yeah, the fact that which it is happened, weird because you know I mean? to me, yeah. Tallahassee is like a well known city. Yeah, and this is a well known like homicide that happened in this city. So it's weird. I couldn't. Yeah. I could only find like a Medium article and like other just like I, like sketchy true crime media sites. Oh, and I coldcase.net like, um, or something. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to waste Not my- even .net, yeah. Oh, I feel like .net would almost seem more legitimate. But yeah, you're right. Like coldcasefiles2.com. And I'm yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> or it's cold, spell like C-O-L-E-D. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So as far as suspects, the neighbors told police they hadn't really noticed anybody, you know, unusual go into the house that day. One potential lead had to do with the fact that special granny knots were used to bind the family, and the killer or killers used items from the Sims house to restrain them, like stockings, lingerie, socks, ties. I don't really know what the type of knot has to do with it. I mean, it's a type of knot used for binding. It's not as good as a square knot. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It doesn't seem like super intricate. Because that's what I was wondering. I I tried to research to be like, oh, is it granny knot? taught to only like yeah specific people and i was like not really doesn't seem like it no it's no i googled it it gave me like a lot of results about climbing which i mean like okay good to know yeah further cementing that i'm not climbing anywhere time soon right right i think what's more interesting is that like they use items from the house that is very because that's what also made me like i mean we'll get into all of our theories later but i'm like 
So that shows, was this like an escalation to, that went really too far of like, because it's, uh, for lack of a better word, like improvising instruments that yeah, you no, found? I, I feel that. It makes it seem like it wasn't really planned. Yeah. So unfortunately, DNA was not really a thing. And some of the investigators actually believe the murderers, that's how I'm going to say it from now on, like murderer or murderers. Murderers, murderers. Stayed to clean up the crime scene and they were from the neighborhood. But other people think that since at this time, everybody was like relatively trusting, anybody would open their door for a stranger. So TBD on Which, that. Who, I mean, LOL, like never now, except that it's one of those things. It's like, don't get in a car with strangers. I take Uber. Don't open the door for strangers. Postmates, baby. I am no, Right? Yeah. That's true. Oh, my God. I did that one time just because like someone was just ringing our doorbell like insanely. And then I op- like multiple times. Oy. So I finally opened it and it was this jackass who was campaigning for this crazy guy, Curtis Slewa for mayor. And I was like. Fuck you. Like, leave me alone. Why are it's one thing to like do a, a ring and then like wait Give a few minutes and leave, but he trial. kept ringing our bell and I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure Curtis got two votes. So uh, literally, that, that method did not really work. I know. I'm like, You're going to give me COVID and fucking bother me <laughs> for this asshole. Like, whatever. Anyway, so that was that. Don't open your doors to strangers. Uh uh-uh. uh. They could be murderers or just annoying campaign people. Yes, murderers or conservative. Or Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. <laughs> but one couple that came up was this kind of like mystery couple, basically. So a guy named Henry Cabbage, who was a local journalist, was working on a piece about the murders. And he found police tape, which like the video, in which a woman whose boyfriend lived close to the Sims said she remembered going over to their house the night they were killed, but denied responsibility. Like what? And yeah, I don't know. And the boyfriend also denied any involvement in the murders. Now, this is something I think I read in news reports. So I'm wondering if this supposed mystery couple is actually Vernon Fox, but we'll go, we'll get there. So <laughs> True. that's a big question mark. But another person who actually did become like a pretty I sort of know, like the prime, the prime. Suspect, yeah. Or, a prime yeah. suspect was a man by the name of C.A. Roberts. He was a well-liked pastor at First Baptist Church, which was like the church there, one of, I suppose. And the guy was like a philanderer, or not a philanderer because he didn't have a wife. A womanizer. A womanizer. I know that was um in the doc when they were like, we put the uh, black light to the, uh, to the office Ugh, and he gross. kept busy. And I was like, oh my God, how is, gross. what? No. I mean, I get it. It's like the young... Good-looking pastor, but I'm also like, aren't you not supposed to? But I'm like, we all watched Fleabag. They didn't get, get to, you know what I mean? Like, That's but funny. come on. Yeah. yeah. So rumors kind of started swirling that because Roberts was kind of sleeping around, that he was the murderer. And Helen also resigned from her position as church secretary days before the murder, which people mm-hmm. thought was because maybe she, like, knew too much. And... <laughs> The funny thing is, in this documentary, is they say that as soon as Roberts was, like, named a suspect, the Tallahassee Police Department's phones kept ringing off the hook from just, like, women calling in being like, I had nothing to do with this. Because, I guess, all the women that he was having affairs with were, like, scrambling to try to, like, cover their asses. Who knew? I mean, he really got them to go to confession after all. (laughs) Yeah, I've been fucking the priest, but I did not do this. Yeah. Right, right. Um, and and there was really no evidence that Helen was involved with him at all. It's just that she, if she's a secretary, like she probably knows everything that's going on. 
Oh, I feel like if you're if you're having an affair, your secretary knows you're having an affair if you're having an affair. You're right. A theory, though, was that he was having an affair with Helen and kind of killed the family in a fit of, like, rage. Mm. But investigators kind of watched him for a while. They, like, tailed him. They didn't find anything that tied him to the crime. And plus, he had a pretty rock-solid like, alibi. Emphasis on rock-solid, I would yeah. also well, say. Well, yes and no. So yes he was, no, like, yeah. team chaplain for the football team. And he was at the football game. He says he was at the football game the whole time, and there is video. There are gaps in the videos. Um, so, like, for instance, there was a rumor that he, like, disappeared at halftime and came back for the second half. Mm. And, like, some locals watching the videos think he came back in a different outfit. But the sheriff's office, like, literally kind of mapped it and, like, tried every single route. And they said that it was really not possible for him to get to the Sims house and come back in the gaps in the videos. So Roberts ended up resigning as pastor due to the accusations. And then years later, he died um, in an accident. Mm. And yeah, there there is video that shows him on the sidelines of the game, which um, a former state attorney, Jeremy Mutz, claims show that Roberts is innocent since he can't be in two places at once. And this Mutz guy, he really kind of, oh, yeah. he, he's, he got fired for trying to invest, or one of the reasons, like for trying yeah. to keep on investigating this, claiming that like, because he, he really was like that the police is, was wasting their time looking after uh, Roberts. And then when he got fired, he posted on Facebook, like, they don't want me to look into this cold case for political reasons. Nothing mm-hmm. really has, like, been unpacked more with that and type of stuff like that. But very, you know, just really on there. Right. I also think that the police, like, whoever his boss was, was like, yeah, we didn't assign you to do this. Like that's That, that was their main thing. Like, it's not your job. And I mean, this does happen a lot of time on TV shows where... Detectives will randomly just get really impassioned about a case and look for it, but I guess in IRL, you usually just end up... Right. Yeah, I guess you need the okay. So we can jump to another uh, suspect, Rob Howells. So he married Peggy in 1966. And according to Peggy's testimony, the day after they got married, they're driving down to Alligator Point for a honeymoon. No judgment. I'm just stating where they have their honeymoon. Yeah. <laughs> and but at this point, this he starts telling Peggy about how he murdered Joy and then Helen and then Rob. Now, however, this murder sort of became local folklore of like kind of just like to talk around town, husbands telling their wives, I killed the Sims, and if you know what's good for you, you'll act right, type of thing. You know, just a just some uh, nice light threats. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah, just that chill, that chill uh, spousal talk. Yeah. <laughs> Peggy, I mean, did say that Rob was violent, and unfortunately for her, he beat her frequently and also threatened to beat uh, her stepson. And I mean, police were called to them for domestic issues multiple, multiple times. Uh, Pe- Peggy ended up going undercover <clears throat> for the Tallahassee Police Department to get a confession, so they wire her up. So it's like my favorite part. This is, this is like, truly, this is like lifetime. It's like The Wire. I just finished season one of The Wire, no further questions, but I was like, oh. Wait, should I watch that? Yes. Ooh, okay, well, because I need a new show. I want to watch that um, Archive 18 that's on Netflix, too. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, was trying to go uh, wire her up, but Rob got tipped off by his daughter, so he made sure not to confess or say anything that could incriminate him with that. There's also not that much... Of a motive, like the most that was being talked about was there was a rumored argument he had with Helen at the grocery store, which I mean, I don't really, I, you know, sometimes people get passionate. I know. I guess I will say, though, like, 
I, I kind of feel like sometimes the more we do this, like the less motive really matters. It's mm-hmm. not something that you need to really prove in court. Because it's just like some people are going to do what they're going to do. I, yeah, exactly. And like it's not logical. And I feel like even the the people that this documentary really heavily points to, even their motive is like pretty sus. Yeah, there's no, well, that was a hard, like, there's no, like, um, oh, they were stealing from XYZ or this person was having a long term affair. X, yeah. You know, yeah. Like, everything is pretty tenuous. So I'm kind of like, whatever. Isn't I don't. That life? Just because yeah. there's not much of a motive that, like, we understand doesn't mean <clears throat> that it wasn't a motive to the killer, you know? And also, especially because what we know from the crime scene or what we can put together from the crime scene is that this dud did seem kind of like, not impromptu, but like it it seemed to have escalated in ways where like the maybe the person coming in was not fully intending to do what they ended up doing, but they did that. So maybe the motive just was someone who's set off, who gets set off. And that's just I can see that. Yeah. I yeah. kind of like feel like it wasn't something where they were being watched for days or exactly something like that. Um, because I feel like if that were the case, you would kind of bring your own restraints. B-Y-O-R, yes. <laughs> uh so the Peggy ended up delivering to the police uh 32 caliber handgun as a potential murder weapon because she found that, but it was a 38 gun that was used. I Mm. mean, so it wasn't the one on hand. And also Rob's fingerprints weren't at the crime scene. He passed a lie detector test. Yada, yada, yada. He was cleared. And then there's one other guy that I actually thought was really convincing. I'm still not not convinced. Uh uh I mean, it's pretty sus. So there was a guy by the name of Tommy Fulgham. He was like 15 or 16 at the time of the Sims family murder. And he lived two blocks south of them uh, in 1966. So he, I don't know, he's just a, a scrawny kid. Like, you know, nothing super remarkable about the kid. Um, later, though, he moves to Atlanta as a 29-year-old. And he kills his girlfriend, disembowels her, cuts her hands off, and puts her liver in a jar. <clears throat> So this is in 1978. And I think at this time he was having some kind of like psychotic episode or break. Like he, at first I think he worried that he was being possessed by the devil and then he thought he was the devil. Like it was definitely a a breakdown. But what was weird about Tommy was that even when he was like 15, when the cops came around to ask people about the murder, he apparently avoided the cops. And so I don't know. I mean, that seems like really sus. He, you know, a little over 10 years later, he commits this like gruesome, gruesome murder. And he's living two blocks, I think, from the family at the time. I don't know. I was like, oh, I was like, I was pretty sold. Um, although apparently he said that he was attending a party that night of the murder and several people corroborated his mm-hmm. alibi. And nothing conclusive tied him. Um, his prints didn't match the prints at the crime scene. And apparently neither surviving Sim's daughter recognized him, but I don't really see why that matters. I That's what I was also confused about, too, because it's like they also didn't see what happened. So I don't know why it would need right. to be someone recognized. I guess because they were going off the theory that it was someone that they would let into their home. But I also feel like even though, like, in the Tallahassee way they let people in, I would feel especially like a family with, like, a 14-year or, like, a kid knocks on the door they're going to be like, hey, what do you need? You know what I mean? Right. And one who lives like two blocks from you. I exactly. Yeah. But so the most, perhaps the most credible suspects are mm-hmm. Vernon Fox and Mary Charlie LeJoie Le- 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 Fox. Le- I don't know how she pronounced it. I forgot. I watched a whole documentary. They just called her Charlie. 
were Mary. <laughs> yeah. In any case, they were two teenagers who lived near the Sims house. And they both t- came from kind of like broken homes, checkered past kind of thing. Um, Mary was adopted and she said her adoptive parents were abusive towards her, uh, both of them. Mary was pretty weird. Um, neighbors said that she was obsessed with death. She was caught breaking into the funeral home. That's and, when it's a little too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the RJ, the BS, the funeral home like director guy, was like, yeah, we had to like tell her not to come back. And <laughs> in college, so she like goes to college. Apparently she has a poster above her bed that said, a tisket, a tasket, come sleep in my casket. I mean, like, where? But also my my follow-up to that is, who bought that poster? I guess maybe she made it herself, but yeah. I don't know, but I'm like, I, I kind of want that poster to scare away potential suitors. Like, That's true. You leave that on your door? No one's buzzing for Curtis. I know. See? I think I need to put that up. And apparently she became obsessed with death around 1965. Um, so, I don't know, just kind of like a weirdo. And she was a bit of a loner, didn't have many friends, her one friend was a guy by the name of Vernon Fox, and they were friends since elementary school. And when Mary was a teenager and Vernon was in college, they started dating. Neither set of parents approved. Whatever, mm. I guess. <laughs> um, and, like, my impression from the documentary was that, like, they both just seemed like the town weirdo. Like, both yeah, they of them. Found, they found each other in the weirdo. No, yeah. They found love <laughs> in a hopeless, weird place. So, <laughs> Whatever. I, I would like to support, but I don't know. I, I don't know if I can support. Yes, yeah, so exactly. <laughs> so um, Vernon ended up being discharged from the Air Force for mental health reasons. His dad was a head criminologist who taught at FSU, but his dad was also an alcoholic who cheated on his mom, which like gave Vernon a lot of problems and like gave him anger issues. And what's interesting is that the Fox property touched the Sims property and the LaJoys lived a few blocks away. So they lived mm-hmm. like close. In the circle, in, in like a kind of like, yeah. Yeah. And Vernon was kind of linked to some like peeping Tom slash prowler activity in the neighborhood. A few weeks before the murder, he was spotted standing in some shrubs watching Jeannie Sims. And also, apparently, there was, like, this uptick in, like, Prowler-esque activity, which when he, stopped when Vernon was in the Air Force, but then picked back up when he came back. There was a correlation there. <laughs> My favorite part was in the documentary when they asked him about the, like, Prowler thing. He goes, he literally goes, no. Yeah. No. I mean, Prowler? No. Immediately, no. no. Yeah. Well, just no. No. And you're like, I'm not super convinced yeah, I'm also like, that's light. Yeah, you, you, you're knowing a little too much knows. Yeah. Yeah. So in 1987, Mary basically reached out to the sheriff because I don't know why, but she was worried about being tied to the murders. And she kind of just like wanted to see what police had on her. It was just weird because like time has passed. A lot of time has passed. Yeah. And basically like, I guess she was worried and she she did this whole thing like very like, almost hypothetically she she was kind of like well let's say i did this like what would happen she oj simpson did it, uh, yeah well there was a really good episode of law and order svu where like the, the villain is like he he basically lays out an entire murder confession but he goes hypothetically i went to the house and hypothetically i bubble and like that's kind of what this lady did mm-hmm. 
In a filmed interview with police, she said, this is why I think that I went in there and did it. Vernon was in trouble, some kind of damn trouble, and I was going to lose the only friend I had. She kind of implied that, like, Vernon was paying attention to Judy in a certain way and the prowling, and he was caught, and they were going to, the Sims were going to, like, report it to the police. So Mary claims that the night of the murder, she and Vernon were at a drive-in movie. Two movies were playing that night, Doctor Who and the Daleks and Munster Go Home. Sure. I don't know if anybody's interested, but basically she told police in 1987 that she thought they stayed for two movies and left before a third movie. But the ticket taker at the theater said that they left after the first movie, and I don't think that there even was a third movie. Mm-hmm. But honestly, whatever. I would give that a pass. I can't remember like what I did last week. So L- literally, you know. I don't. I don't know what I did yesterday. <laughs> right. But her story has kind of changed throughout the years because on October twenty fourth, nineteen sixty six. Mary told police that she and Vernon went home after the end of the movie, the first movie, um, while Vernon told them on the 26th that they left after the end of the football game and they didn't stay until the end of the second movie. So in 1966, they're leaving after the second movie. Now there's a third movie. Like, I don't know what's happening. That's the thing. Like, make it make sense. Yeah. So their stories, like, didn't match up. And Vernon said in this documentary, which um, came out in 2016, that Mary picked him up around 7 o'clock. They went to the movies. Afterwards, they went to a little secluded area to get get some action in the car. But in 1987, Mary told police that they weren't sexually active at the time, and they went straight home after the movie. And in 1966 and 1989, they say they were low on gas, so they drove straight home. But then in 2016, Vernon's story changes. He said they drive out to Dog Lake, which is, like, far away. So... So, I don't know, kind of sus. <laughs> These two are telling a lot of stories. They're, yeah. It's kind of like the moth storytelling situation going on here. Yeah. Uh, and then in 1966, also Vernon said that he saw a car with a funny headlight driving slowly on Gibbs Drive near the Sims house. Hmm. I don't know what funny Convenient. headlight really means. Yeah, I'm also like, elaborate on funny headlight? Like That's a good point. Yeah. I'm like, they didn't have the eyelashes on cars yet. So oh, my God, not, right? Which, like, if anybody <laughs> they has didn't that. They didn't have 911. They're not yeah. doing the, the car eyelashes. <laughs> that would be so funny if that came before 911. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe it did. Uh, so he, <laughs> he said that the car pulled up close and opened the door like whoever was in the car was expecting to get in. Like they were expecting Vernon to get in. Yeah, which is kind of like weird. Kidnap- yeah. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of that SpongeBob meme when he's standing in front of an open casket and he goes, okay, get in. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. I love that one. So, yeah, so there is this uh, mystical car with funny headlights. And then in 2016, he said the people in the car said, quote, unquote, oh, it's not him. And then they closed the door. But uh, this was a detail that never emerged before, so I don't really know why he would be sitting on that for 40 years. Exactly. Like... And also their stories change so much. That's one thing you remember 40 years later. Mary right. does say she remembers this car stopping. And she said that when she, she remembered this when she went back to the sheriff's office in 87. So she did have recall of this. Law enforcement then is kind of like, okay, do you remember this car? Because you think you saw the killer. Or you already you saw that night. Yada, you know what I mean? Like It's kind of like, did, did this car, like, do you remember this car because it could have been the killer or because you're worried who may have seen you? 
Exactly. Like, why was this noted, you know? Very friend or foe, yes. So in 1966, Vernon said that he got home and put a movie, big movie, big movie did. Uh, but yeah, movie like you got home from night. two movies and then went and put on a movie? I, I can't even sit through Dude. a miniseries, but regardless. No, like there's no way you did that. <laughs> but here's the interesting <gasps> Funny you said there's no way you did that because a neighbor in 1966 reported seeing him out on the street around 11, 23 p.m. at the time the sirens were sounded. Yes, yeah, so sus. And, also, it's, I mean, she said that she saw him making very weird gestures. Again, weird gestures, funny how Funny lights, like, I don't really know sh- what this means. Let's is get more specific. It, yeah, let's get, let me, let me, let him, let's show us the routine, step by step. And what is still kind of interesting is that Mary never outright denies being there. She doesn't. She says things like, quote, unquote, I might remember being in the house. What would happen if I confess? And stuff like that. Things that are... Suspicious. So she she's kind of doing that, like Sarah was mentioning, to like like fishing for evidence to see yeah, what they fishing have. Fishing is a good word. To kind of be like, okay, if I put this tidbit out, if I put this the pole here, what's gonna what's gonna bite me? What's gonna what's gonna come? Mm-hmm. So she also gets that uh if she gets it, would Vernon be thrown into prison without herself getting thrown into prison? So she has very suspicious. Yeah. At one point. <laughs> At one point, she this is me just transcribing from the police video, by the way. The police video was very intense. I was like, yeah, Yeah. it's I forgot that all those were taped. And I was like this. And also that they were giving the college student the footage, which I I guess that's kind of like fair. Uh, At one point, she literally says, quote, unquote, could I take that 10K reward? You know, the 10K that was supposed to be the reward money and put myself in a private hospital where I can get quality treatment. Yeah, like the thing is, she doesn't want to go to prison and she makes that clear. And so she's literally like, well, what if I tell you this stuff and like I just check myself into like a nice little rehab or whatever it may be? When it's like, yeah, most you gotta, you gotta, you gotta prove yourself not to be in prison. Yeah, and she doesn't. Yeah, she literally is never like, I didn't do this. I had nothing to do with this. She was kind of like, well, like how can I implicate Vernon without implicating myself? Exactly. And how can I avoid jail time? Exactly. Very so she sketch. really is trying. Yeah, she's trying herself. She's trying to legally blind herself. <laughs> so she was smart enough to not legally give a confession with all that. So yeah, but it did walk like a duck and talk like a duck. Yeah. It re- she really knew how to like toe that line of like, she quack, quacked. it yeah. sounds like a confession to all of us lay people, but to like in a court of law, it wouldn't have held up as a confession, I guess. Yeah. It's sort of like when like, if someone's like, oh my God, he like heart reacts to all my stories. We're like, you're not dating. That, that won't hold up in a court of law. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, this, the documentary said that the prosecutors thought they had enough to charge him and marry, but not to get a conviction. So mm. that's where it gets very tricky. Mm. Uh, but Vernon says they did get divorced in 1986. And in 1987, the alimony money ran out, which is kind mm. of interesting that, like, the timing of that. So yep. divorce 86, that's where she goes, tries to get that money, honey. Uh, Mary filed to have the alimony extended, which a judge denied. So it's sort of like, was that then a weird way of her being like, fuck, I don't have alimony money. Let me try to get the money from this. Was that her way of being like, okay, f- we got divorced. Now I'm going to like either fake throw him under the bus, confess, because now they're not tied together. You know what I mean? Right. That's what I, I just don't know. Like, I I mean, the documentary kind of said without right saying that like, yeah, they think that Mary did it. They think like she and Vernon did it. They had one friend in the whole town and one of them like 
was gonna maybe get in trouble for like being a peeping tom um yeah a lot and i don't i mean i don't know if you how you're feeling the majority after watching the documentary everything like i did kind of very much point gravitate to these two I feel like them or that kid who disemboweled his girlfriend. Like that. That's also true. That's the, that I'm like, this kid, I don't know. Go go back and recheck those alibis from the party. Like, see if anybody is still riding for this guy, you know, after he's disemboweled his girlfriend. So well, also that would the be thing my too, thing. For like teens at a party, they're having some wine coolers. They don't know what the fuck is going on, also. That's so that valid. is very tricky for that. And also it's like a party, like I don't know, like I'm assuming it's a party at the same time. It's like a football game party. You know what I mean? So like people are wa- like kind of distracted, everything like that. I don't yeah. know. I'm like, I don't know who was at every, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, yeah. Right. I mean, I do think that these two are also very sus. Um, I mean, that's another thing though. I'm like, the motive is still very like, it's flimsy, but I guess you're talking about two weirdos, one of whom is obsessed with death. So. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's, uh, that's a, that never helps the case. Yeah. Which is yeah. why, People who listen to this podcast, we should never, never commit a crime. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just wonder if there's anything. I mean, unless like Mary really is able to kind of confess, or they're able to like, I know, work out a deal with her, or like pretend to work out a deal with her, so that like she'll implicate them. Um, but I don't really know how else like this case would be resolved. I mean, I'm not I, a professional. I know obviously. it's one of those hard ones where it's like we. I feel like we've done a lot of cases lately where it's sort of like. A very clean cut. You, we know what happens, but this is one. And also, it's been uh, like fifty or so years by now. It's yeah, very, longer. yeah, long, yeah, to get clarity for any of that, which is which is hard, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But I don't trust these two. I don't trust these two. The only person I trust in my goddamn life is Jorge, because <laughs> he gives us with the game and. I know he I he would watch I mean, he, maybe I could see him watch two movies too. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I could watch two movies in one night. Yeah. I love movies. Movie night. <laughs> All right. So for today's game, I thought we could do a little foray into the world of sports, since we all love uh-huh. sports so much. Ooh, oh yeah. And okay. because of that big uh, you know, football game that was happening there. <laughs> and cool. I'm going to hit you guys with some amazing football trivia to test how much you know about America's favorite sports. This will be fun. This will be. My boyfriend's very into football, so maybe like some of that stuff has rubbed off. I hope so for you. I mean, I not, not that yeah, we'll say. <laughs> <laughs> Danny, do you do you watch football? No. <laughs> not <laughs> at how do you spend your Sundays? <laughs> no. Oh, I just drink you know, on Sundays. That's I'll it. go to like they have usually good bars have good like deals for like food and everything for that. So I'll go That's to a true. bar for that deal. Same. <laughs> wanna, yeah. Yeah. I'll get some mozzarella sticks. Hell yeah. yeah I would just do pictures, Sunday Funday to like wings, drink yes. you know. and meet people. Exactly. But now I'm at the age of like, a Sunday. No, I'm, I'm relaxing. No. <laughs> I got things to do tomorrow. Yeah. You can, exactly. Those. So kids have fun for us, but I can't. But yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Danny, you're up first. And here is the first question. How many yards long is an official NFL football field? Hmm, I don't even know what a yard is. Uh, <laughs> okay, I know it's like 20 yards, 40 yards. 
That is incorrect, Danny. The correct answer is 120 yards. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. I was going to say 250. So, <laughs> so <laughs> whoops. Most people, I think, would have guessed 100 yards because, yeah. you know, it's 50 and 50 yards is, you know, each team has like 50 yards to go. Oh, then yeah. what's the 20? Do you count so, the end zone? Is that exactly. why? The end zones oh, on um, each end of the field are an additional 10 yards. And if you count there the cow zone... <laughs> <laughs> You're over your weight watchers point today. <laughs> All right, Sarah, this one's for you. Which of the following positions can run down the field and catch balls thrown by the quarterback? Is that the cornerbacks? Can't everyone? The running backs? <laughs> Great. Or the tight ends? I don't understand why everybody can't do that. I thought that was the whole thing. <laughs> I thought so too. All right, well, I, I, I will, I will so give you this. Every player on the offense could actually catch the ball but whose job is it i mean i'm gonna down? go with the running back that is incorrect Fuck. is it the tight end <laughs> it is the tight end what, what do these people do then you know I I think what about is their job ends, don't you danny <laughs> <laughs> you know dabble <laughs> the running back sarah are actually the guys who grab the ball and run with it so typically oh. the quarterback hands them they're the like ball 42 as opposed to... <laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Hut, hut. Yeah, like, exactly, what? exactly. Whose job is it to like just say those words? <laughs> it, the quarterback, that's typically right? a quarterback. Yeah, he's oh. calling out the plays. And the reason why it's so sort of stunted or kind of like syncopated is because they're trying to trick the other team Throw them so off. that they don't know when they're actually starting to play. They should sing songs. <laughs> like that would be so much better. Like what? Like throw them off. I'm like imagining that like TikTok meme where it's like, yo, I never fucked Wayne, I never fucked Drake. And then they like, <laughs> like pull up in the Sri Lanka, huh, and then exactly then you get a right. <laughs> All right, Danny, back oh, to you. No oh, one on the board so far. Off to a great start. A player <laughs> is considered down when which body part hits the ground? Is it their hand, their knee, or their shoulder? Um, oh, I want to say, I, wa I want to say knee. Wait, 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 wait. Because if you fall down, because they can't throw it from there. Yeah, knee. That is correct, Danny. On the board. Well nice. done. It is, in fact, the knee. That's when they're actually considered to be down. Because I know sometimes they'll just like. Yeah, you can just like take a, a knee. To keep it. Yeah. yeah, you take a knee. Right, right, right. A good right, right. defense play. All right, Sarah, Danny's on the board. <laughs> Here we go. How many points would scoring a safety get oh, your team? What is a safety? I don't even know what that is. Oh, my God. This is horrible. <laughs> oh, it's not multiple choice, Sarah. You're just going to go for it. I know. <laughs> Two? That is correct, Sarah. Oh, well is that when you run the ball after you score a touchdown? No, that is okay, a two-point conversion. Whatever. I still, but I guess the right number for the wrong reasons, but I'll take it. USD to Euros, a conversion. Like. <laughs> so a safety is when the opposing team tackles you in your own end zone. So they basically, like you're so far back that you're in your own place. So if they tackle you there, they get two points and they get the ball. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, Danny. It, this is a tie game. Oh, wow. Shit. This is so exciting. 
Deflategate. (laughs) (laughs) When that two-point conversion we just mentioned, when would you try to score a two-point conversion? Is it? This is multiple choice. Instead of punting the ball. multiple choice? Rude. On <laughs> yeah, that's not really down, <laughs> After recovering a fumble on the 35th yard line or after scoring a touchdown. If you score the touchdown, then it starts back at the middle. Um, the 35th. No, that's too close to the middle. So you're not that. Or what was the first one? On second down. No, because you still have more downs after that. Um, uh, and the other one, is instead of punting the ball. Uh, uh, no, because the punt would be for the other. I'm going to do the the 35 thing. That is incorrect, Danny. Oh. It is, in fact, after scoring a touchdown. Oh, wow. That was the, the one I wrote off immediately at the first. Immediately. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> so after you score a touchdown, that gives you six points. And typically, you could kick the ball into the field goal to get an extra point. But... If you're able to get the ball into the end zone again, you get two points. That's the two-point conversion. Oh, so you can you can ask to do a safety? Uh, it's it's kind of like a snack, uh, Not really. You you can yeah you can try to go for two points ah. instead of just the extra point, which is the kick. Uh-huh. All right. Well, Sarah, this is the last question. And oh gosh. Okay. The game is tied, so you have the chance here to take it home. Let's go. And score a touchdown. If you <laughs> Sarah, how many players are there on the field no. on any given uh, play? Oh, God. And this is not multiple choice? I can this give you rigged. multiple choice. Okay, it's only fair. It's only fair I give you multiple yeah. choice. All right. Is it 20? Fuck. 22 or 24? Oh, well, great, because I was going to say 12. <laughs> So, wait, are we talking about both teams, though, or both just one? Both teams together. Both teams together. Oh, yeah. Okay, then I'll go with 24. That is incorrect, Sarah. Fuck. It oh. is 22. 22 players. Fuck. They have oh. 11 yeah. people on the side? 11 that is, players, yeah. That's oh. uneven. Oh, because the quarterback would probably make it uneven. because he's the Exactly. Well, oh, my God. He's the quarterback. All right. <laughs> well, we have a tie game, and it's oh. time for me to find a tie-breaking question. Ooh. Oh, great. Stand by. Jorge was not planning for us to be this stupid about football. Yeah, which honestly he should have. I know. I'm yeah, slightly embarrassed. I am the loser of today's game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There are two teams tied for most Super Bowl wins. How many wins have both of those teams oh, won? Man. Oh, um, and you will both say it at the same time to make sure you're not stealing each other's answers fuck okay i think i know this are you ready to guess sarah whoever's closest is going to win the point and the game okay all right three two one eight Eight. oh did we (laughs) both say eight (laughs) oh no we need a tiebreaker for the tiebreaker (laughs) all right all right here's gonna be the tiebreaker for the tiebreaker (laughs) should we guess what the teams are yes you you are gonna guess who the teams are by the way, the correct answer was six. Oh, not bad. Why did I think someone had seven? Okay, interesting. Uh, I don't know. All right, you both should pick a team at the same time and say it. Same, okay. same rules. Are oh. you ready? Or should we write it down and then show it? All right, write it down, write it down. Write okay. Down. If you both pick the same team, I'm going to lose my mind. All right, All you right. ready? And show. Patriots? Fuck! <laughs> we both <laughs> it! <laughs> <laughs> 
well, I only can name five teams. So All that's, right, so uh, let's try to guess the other one. The other okay. team that has won six Super Bowls. Fuck. The, it was the Patriots. Well done. See, you know a thing or two about football. Yes. Uh, I more so know about their old man guy kissing their kid on the lips. Trying to, oh, my God, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I... All right, so this last question, depending on what team you choose, whichever of your picks has won the most Super Bowls will win. Oh, So that'll, okay. that'll settle it, unless you guys pick the same team again. Okay, well, then I'm going to go with the safe answer. <laughs> I, I don't know if my answer is safe or not. All right. All right. Let's reveal. Danny, what do you got? The Eagles. You got the Eagles and Sarah. The Giants. I know they've won at the least Giants. two Super Bowls. Well, I know they haven't won in a while, which is why I didn't it's pick true. them. I know they have two at least. Okay, we have a winner. Ooh. The Eagles have won Damn it. one Super Bowl. Oh. oh. However, the Giants have won four Super Bowls. Well done, Sarah. You are the winner. Who won Ooh. six? The Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh. I would have never put them in a million years. Never would have put them, but yes, I know they are good. All right. All right. That well, congratulations, was... Sarah. Thank Get you. Get it, girl. Sarah Steelers. <laughs> the Sarah Steelers. There we go. You have two points on this year's championship. Ooh. You have taken an early lead, but we'll Woo-hoo. see if Danny can catch we'll up. Say, I, I mean, like this. We'll do like a big, this big trivia fun. bowl at the end or something like that. <laughs> oh For all the marbles. The trivia bowl. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, well, that was fun. Thank you, that Jorge. Was, I got to go. Enlighten me. I know. Maybe I'll watch on Sunday. <laughs> yes. That's true. It's the playoffs. I mean, I'll be watching on Super Bowl Sunday, so there's that. Okay. All right. Mostly oh. for the commercials, but you know. Yeah, and I and the and the halftime performance will be good this year, I think. That's true. That's true. Uh, well, you know, if you're watching football, if you're not, I don't know. Let us know. Not know the true crime. Give us your episode recommendations. Yes, please. we are using them. I will say, like, we get I get so many that I'm like, oh wow, but we do use them. And if you think you got a really good one, just bump it back up at the top of the DM list. Yes. Also, like, tell us what it's about. Because I'm lazy. That's the thing. I don't want to go Google some person's name. Like, like sell it to me. You know, give us all the stuff up front. Ooh, it's like Shark Tank. Yes, a little bit. Yeah. Somebody recommended this good podcast. It was called Something Bobby. And it's about this, like, crazy catfish. That's the the, uh, girl I slapped about. Oh. So we should do. Okay, we'll do that. Maybe. Yeah, it's called um, um, I, Sweet I, Bobby. Yes, because I remember I was laughing. It's like Sweet James from Orange County. There we go. There we go. So interesting. Okay, that could be one. So we got a request for that. But otherwise, right. just DM us. Not the, not another true crime on Instagram. Um, join our Facebook group. Not another true crime group. Just mm-hmm. say that you listen to the podcast in the questions. It's um, so easy. We'll let you it's in. That's all, all we ask. You can follow me on Instagram, Sarah Lamime. Danny, sorry I interrupted you. Oh, my God. No, you're fine. I was going to say... While you're doing all the following, make sure you also rate, review, and subscribe to us if you have not. If this is your first time listening, God bless. If you're a regular, we love you. Let everyone know you love us in the review section. And you can follow me at Cashmere Danny Cashmere with a K. And thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Not Another True Crime Podcast is produced by Jorge Morales-Pico and Sean Kilby. Our hosts are Sarah Levine and Danny Murphy. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at NATC Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to natc at betches.com. Betches.